This is In the Trenches, Broadcast 70. Welcome to In the Trenches, where entrepreneurs, artists, writers, designers, inventors, warriors, and leaders share their stories of doing the hard, creative work that impacts all of our lives. Let the journey inspire you to do something worthwhile, build something bold, and create your life's work. And now, your host, Tom Morkis. Everyone, Tom Morkis here, and really excited to have on the call today, Honoré Quarter, who is the best-selling author of Prosperity for Writers, and also someone who I came across on another podcast talking about some of the work she'd done in the publishing world. Um, from doing really creative things like white-labeling books to hustling bulk book orders, um, she's done some really kind of, I, I when I heard it, I was like just, it was super impressed, and I was like, okay, I got to get her on the podcast, I got to get her on the show so I can talk to her and, and dig into these these topics about how she's able to do what she's able to do in the publishing landscape. So, Honoré, thank you so much for being on the call with us today. Absolutely, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Of course. So, tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us a, 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 a bit about you and, and your background. Sure. So I do three main things besides being a wife and mom. Mm -hmm. I uh, write books, I speak, and I have different ways that I speak. So keynote uh, speeches and training, motivational speeches. And I coach executives on how to, my tagline is double their income and triple their time off. But there's so much more to the coaching than that. But those are the three basic things that I do right now. That keeps me off the streets and out of trouble. That's good. I love that slogan too. <laughs> I mean, you can't argue with that. No, not Where at do all. do I sign up? Yes. <laughs> we'll talk after the call. <laughs> cool. Okay. So, so now, you know, I guess we, let's go back even a little bit further. So tell us like, how'd you get into this, this world of writing, of, of, of self-publishing, of publishing and stuff like that? Like some of the work you've been doing in that space. Well, I was told to write a book by Mark Victor Hansen who's the co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul. Mm -hmm. And when I met him, I was very proud to say, you know, when he asked me what I did, you know, what do you do? And I said, oh, I'm a coach and a speaker. And, and he just was not impressed. He said, okay, well, everybody's a coach and a speaker. What you really need to do is write a book. And I, oh, Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. And my first thought, I'm, I'm I, I high on the snark and the sarcasm department. And so my first thought was, oh, what could go wrong? How hard could that be? <laughs> right? yep. I'll just, just write the book. But he gave me some thoughts and some guidance, which got me started. And so I self-published my first book. And the backstory to that very briefly is that I was a very good friends with a, a famous author. And he said, um, let's go to New York and let's see if we can get you a book deal. And I got a book deal, but I didn't sign it because the terms just were not favorable. I'm a businesswoman and the terms were not favorable. And so when I looked into what the um, actual tasks items were mm -hmm. for self-publishing a book, I realized that I could afford to do those things myself. I could hire an editor, I could hire a graphic designer, I could hire a layout person, and I could print the book. And it would cost me a few thousand dollars to do that, but then all of the profit would remain with me. Whereas with traditional publishing, all of the profit would remain with the publishing house, right? The house always wins and the publishing house is no different. And so that's how I landed in self-publishing. And this was in 2005 when 
a self-published author also wore a scarlet letter. It was not a cool, it was not the cool in vogue, trendy thing to do at the time. It was very uncool. Yeah. But I did it and I kept all the money. So I was okay with that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, yeah. So tell me a little bit about that process. So, you know, you're, you're, because that's, it was a little bit ago and definitely, like you said, it wasn't in vogue. So what was the process like for you when you first learned how to self-publish? Well, it was a, a very steep learning curve. I didn't know to hire editors at first, right? I th mm -hmm. You just write it and publish it, and that's how it is. And so a lot of people do that, or they try to self-edit, and I um, advise against that. Um, this author that I was friends with, he did give me his graphic design person mm -hmm. and referred me to him. And so I was able to get a quality cover and quality layout, which cause people to stop for a second and go, mm -hmm. wait a minute, it doesn't say random house on the spine. So who published this? Mm -hmm. Right? There was there was a question. And I think that was good because a lot of times you can tell a self-published book. And if you can tell mm -hmm. that it's self-published, then it's not professional looking enough and you need to do yep. it again, in my opinion. Yep. You don't want people to wonder. And ultimately readers who read a good book don't care who published it. But if they if it doesn't look quite right, then they won't buy it, even if the stuff inside is amazing. So you want to give, you know, you want to put your best book forward. You want to put your best yeah. book cover forward. Totally. So then, so which, which was this book, by the way? Is this the one that started it all for you then? Tall Order. Okay. And then, and then you went out to write a series of books, correct? I did. So tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So I was watching an Oprah show and Oprah was doing this makeover of this single mom. And I, at the time, was an engaged to get remarried single mom. And she was basically the before picture of this poor woman was, you know, and you can picture this as I describe her frizzy hair, oversized, you know, she's wearing a 2XL t-shirt and she's probably 5'5 five five and she's wearing oversized sweats. I mean, it was just a sad before picture and Oprah was basically saying this is what single moms look like this poor woman yes all single moms look like this and I was like I don't look like that <laughs> why do single moms have to look mm -hmm. like that and so I went looking for the guide for single moms on how to and this is the subtitle of the book get their life back and their game on and I recognized that there were books for single moms but nothing that kind of fit right into that particular piece of the pie like how do you go through death divorce or just finding yourself a single mom and still feel great about yourself because there's a societal stigma for single single moms still to this day and so that was the inspiration for the successful single mom original book and now there are six books in that series because what I did was tackle the problems that single moms face. So their kids want to eat every day, but you're a single mom, you're working and you're trying to keep everything together. So how do you put a hot meal, a good, delicious, nutritious hot meal on the stove? How do you make money? How do you find love again? How do you stay in shape? And if you need to go back to school so that you can make more money, how do you get an education? So those are the six books in that series. And then for good measure, I wrote The Successful Single Dad on request. Nice. Okay. So Obviously, you didn't write these all at once, correct? You you took you did one at a time, right? I did one at a time. So so yeah. So tell me a little bit about that first one. Um, and because the assumption here is that if you wrote six, then the first one obviously did well enough, right? To to uh, encourage more, um, and encourage the series. So I'm curious about how did you get traction with that first book? 
Well, what's interesting is when I published that book, I hired a publicist and I was just on a coach call with a client before our conversation. And she was asking me if I had ever hired a publicist. And I said, you know, that was the 20 grand I should have lit on fire because my hands were cold. (laughs) Right? It was the worst um, money I ever spent on a book. I thought that the successful single mom, that was the book. I just had a feeling in my gut that it was a a book that would help a lot of people, would help a lot of single moms. And I didn't get traction with it right away. Now, keep in mind, this is 2009. This is before Facebook was commonplace. There wasn't really Twitter um, as a, a daily activity, Instagram, Pinterest, none of those platforms were available. And so for a self-published author to gain traction, it really was word of mouth. And when I published the book, I did not have that. It wasn't for another couple of years that I noticed that the sales were steady steady and steadily increasing. It was like watching grass grow, but it was growing. And so I had written The Successful Single Mom and then The Successful Single Mom Cooks Cookbook within six months of each other. But then I had spent all this money on promoting the book with a publicist. And it, as I say, no, not even a cricket came to my party, right? Usually in the silence, you can hear a cricket. I was like, mm-hmm. the crickets were not even coming to this party. And so I kind of just thought, oh, my intuition on this book was wrong. Um, I made a mistake. Okay, I'm just going to leave it out there. And I got back to coaching and speaking. What what I didn't realize at the time, and I think this will be helpful for your audience, is that it takes longer than you want it to, costs more than you'd like it to, and takes more patience than you want to have. But it does happen. And so what was interesting was because it was growing over time. And then people started reaching out to me, professionals started reaching out to me and saying, could I buy 25 copies of this book? Do you have a bulk discount? Could I buy 100 copies? How about 500 copies? I think this would be good for me to promote my business. Can I put my information on the back cover? Could I do a special printing of this book and use it as a marketing tool for my business? And so that actually opened a whole different sub business within my business. So okay, so this is what I'm I'm really curious about. So like, so take me through that that piece, that piece right there. Um, how do you? I guess how did they, did they find you, or did you find them? To this they found me. Okay, and they and how did they find you? Like, what 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 was what was an effective way? That, how did they find you? I'm just curious back then, especially. Well, so the book was selling on Amazon. Mm-hmm. So and Amazon has reaches mm-hmm. has a reach into places I can't even imagine. And so as people were buying the book, they started, um, I guess, thinking about what they would use the book for. So the very first Mm -hmm. person who um, reached out to me just said, I would like to buy this in bulk, but then they kept buying more copies. And then eventually it, it was could I put my name on here somewhere just so I don't have to put my business card in that could fall out? (laughs) Yeah. Right. And so that was the beginning of that process. Although I had done some white labeling of tall order. So I don't have to, I have this deal with the universe, right? Hit me with the feather a couple of times. You don't have to throw a brick at me. Mm -hmm. Right. So I was listening. I was listening to the messages I was getting and I was like, Oh, if people want to buy bulk of this book and bulk of this, this book and they're not related in any way, maybe people would buy books in bulk. So, okay. So yeah, so they find you, which <clears throat> is pretty, pretty remarkable. And then they, they reach out to you and they want to buy in bulk. 
why what's what's the what was the and and because I'm curious how this might be able to cross apply to other people's books who are sure. maybe in the nonfiction business space to a degree, um, specifically, but. Because the white labeling I find very fascinating. Why would somebody want to put their name on your book? Um, because they don't have to create content. It, mm-hmm. it, people want to have a book. And they also feel overwhelmed by the process of writing a book. What am I going to say in my book? What, what difference does it make if I write a book? And so when people could attach their name to my book and 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 here's why I think that it's become so popular mm-hmm. is because um a book is evergreen. Yep. When you're done with a book, do you throw it in the trash? No, I I put it on my bookshelf if it's good. <laughs> but what if I said when you're done with a book just throw it away? Yeah, I would, I'd I'd cry at least a single tear. You'd cry exactly, yeah. right? Most people are horrified at the yeah. thought of just throwing a book Yeah, in exactly. The trash. So a book becomes an evergreen marketing piece. A yep. business card a flyer, a yep. brochure, all pieces of trash waiting to happen, all eventual landfill, everybody. <laughs> right? yep. But a book, when I'm done with it, if it applies, like for example, I just got the new Steve Jobs biography. Yep. And I got it because I thought this would be a great giveaway. And then I got Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Mm-hmm. I got it in hardcover. Also, um, a great giveaway. Mm-hmm. I got the book Ask by Ryan Levesque, reading yep. all of them. And then I'm going to give them away, right? I wouldn't just mm-hmm. throw them in the trash. I probably might even put them in a community bookshelf if I wasn't wanting, if I didn't have something else in mind for the book, but I wouldn't throw it away. But when you're a single mom, you know other single moms. So mm-hmm. you read this book or you go through a divorce. I have a book, If Divorce is a Game, These are the Rules. And that's really popular with divorce attorneys because mm-hmm. they put their information on the back. Because someone goes through a divorce, well, there's something called the divorce flu. Ah. And so y- you may notice that there's an age where people go through divorce. It's between like 35 and 55 generally, right? Mm-hmm. But it comes in rashes. Like you'll notice that we went through a divorce and then the next person and the next person. So what the divorce attorneys are finding is that this book gets read by the first person and then their neighbor is going through a divorce. So I'm like, mm-hmm. you went through a divorce. Who did you use in your divorce? Oh, I use this divorce attorney. He gave me this book. So here's this book and they pass it on. Interesting. Okay. So when people are publishing a book, they if if nonfiction, I don't know how this would ever apply to fiction, to be honest with you. Right. But if someone's publishing a nonfiction book and there's they have a platform and they have content, which is content, right? They have content, yep. they have information, they have to figure out ask themselves the question, who would benefit from sharing this content? Yep. How could how could someone use this as a marketing piece? So my tall order book was, you know, how to double your your time and your success, right? Mm-hmm. So the people that were buying it in bulk were people who had sales forces or middle management, lots of people in their middle management. So they wanted to motivate them. How do I motivate people to take action? Oh, I'll give them Honoré's book as a gift from the company. It doesn't cost them very much, but the the uh, return on investment can be high. The single mom book is used by certified uh, divorce financial advisors and divorce attorneys, the divorce book, same thing, right? They're using it to get out information that would be helpful to their potential clients. And what they're doing is showing that they care about the person who is the end reader. So everybody wins. Yeah. Okay. So I I see that. I'm still trying to see where I could potentially leverage the same technique, of course, um, and how others could do it too. Those ones seem 
relatively clear. I mean, to to a degree at least. I definitely get the uh, you know the 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 lawyer one. That definitely makes sense to me. I, I like as soon as you describe that, I immediately understood it. So I'm I'm curious though, like two things. One is, does this water down your brand at all if you're putting other people's names on it? Well, no, because they don't get any of the book. They're not getting the front, the spine, or the inside of the book. They are only allowed to design the back cover. And it basically says this book complements of Tom Morks mm-hmm. and all about your business. And it's like a, a business card that keeps giving. But no, it doesn't yeah. water down my brand. It's bas- They're basically paying me to distribute my content to people who may want to buy more of my content. Yep. And then so, so my question to you then, like as a follow-up to that, would you ever, if somebody were able to uh, somebody ever requested this of a, of a person who's again writing maybe specifically in the business nonfiction space said hey you know a company comes to them or a corporation or something like that wants to buy in bulk would there ever be a reason to say no to this like in, in your opinion mm, I can't think of one off the top of my head right I would say no if they wanted to change the content but if they wanted to order 10 20 30 50,000 copies of my book like, and they said, Honoré will only do it if you wear a purple hat on Tuesdays. I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, I I'm exactly. having a hard time trying to figure out a reason why. Yeah. It's, it's, if they it's, were not in alignment, and here's the thing is there are some divorce attorneys that are litigation focused. They want to, if we're married and we're getting a divorce, they want me to beat the crap out of you. And they want us to be in litigation as long as possible because it makes them the most amount of money. I'm collaborative win-win by nature. So those litigation attorneys don't like my book because my book basically yep. says, let your attorney do their job. You turn your focus on the future. Forgive your ex for their transgressions. Forgive yourself for your transgressions and get on with your day. Like create a new vision, yep. right? Which is different from, I think you guys need to argue over that wagon wheel coffee table for the next 15 <laughs> years. <laughs> yep. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so good good stuff. So, so if they came to me and they said, we want you to change your message to be against your values, I would say no. Yeah, absolutely. And there's and, and, no amount of money that would that would change that. Of because course. Because I, I stand very firm in, in my messaging and, and empowering people. So if someone came to me and said, I just want you to say that when you're divorcing, you should stay in litigation for 20 years, I would say I don't agree with that. Yep. Exactly. Okay, and that, that makes sense. I think that's just, that, that's an important clarification to to degree. And primarily not like, insofar as like when you would say no per se, but I was just wondering like, is there any general, you know, rule of thumb in, in terms of ever saying no? But I, the bottom line, it sounds like, again, as long as like the values align and it makes sense um, in, in, in the construct of, of your values and theirs and, and stuff like that, then I don't see uh, a negative to it. Like I might as well, right? Might as well. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yes. So now my question is, how do you, if, if I'm, I'm hearing this, how do I go and do this? How do I make this happen? Because, you know, what if I think, okay, nobody's going to find me. I've, I've just written this book. You know, how, how do I go and actually maybe actively, like proactively? Sure. Uh, so the first time yeah. I was lucky, I don't, um, I don't rely on luck. Yep. I'll be honest with you. So I have a very specific outreach, marketing outreach, and I'm happy to talk, talk about it. Um, yeah. I think the more they are right. So um, I have postcards of my books and of several of my books. And so on the front of the postcard is a picture of the book. On the back of the postcard, it looks like a postcard and it has a QR code that sends them to Amazon and it has the book title and the subtitle. And then it has space, white space. Like when you go to um, Mount McKinley and you buy a postcard mm-hmm. and you send it to your mom, right? There's that space. So obviously there's the space for the name and the address. And on the left side, my assistant will write, if you'd like a complimentary copy of 
this book, send me an email. That's it. So we send uh, five of those a day to divorce attorneys all around the country. And so that's part of my assistant's job is to identify divorce attorneys. And she's looking for collaborative divorce attorneys yep. specifically. So sending those postcards out saying, and certified financial, certified divorce financial advisors. So sending those postcards out, we get a good bit of them that say, sure, I'll take a copy of this book. So we mail them the book and then they go on our list. We've sent you the, your book. Now we're going to communicate with you. And so I have a monthly divorce newsletter. I write for the Huffington Post divorce yep. section. And so I send content that divorce attorneys would find helpful to send on to their clients. Because a lot of times there, I can say things that they can't say. Yeah. Okay. So this is good. So I want to walk through this process step by step. So number one, it's it basically it sounded like you identified uh, you know, whoever that, that target audience would be, or, or, or in this case, kind of that segment, um, who would be interested obviously in, in this book. So divorce attorneys, um, collaborative divorce attorneys for yep. lack of a better term yep. Two, you're then going out and essentially doing kind of some sort of combination of list scraping or research and compiling of these people's, um, contact information. Yep. Three, you're sending out a physical postcard. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay, and then in that postcard, the call to action is: Would you, if you'd like a free free copy of this book, let us know. Yeah. Um, how do you how do you actually word that, and what is what's gotten a good response for us? Uh, That's what for she you? says. If you'd like a complimentary copy of If Divorce Is a Game, These Are the Rules, please send me an email. That's it. Awesome. And what do you you know do you track this in terms of like response rates? Um, she has a spreadsheet, and mm -hmm. we, we talk about the statistics, but the statistics are high yeah. because if, if you have the right mindset, and so what's interesting is the Collaborative Law Institute of Texas had me do the keynote speech. Now, here's the other side of my business, right? I do yep. business development training, yep. motivational speaking, and so they actually love my book, and then they said, well, would you come teach attorneys how to develop their business? Because you can't say to someone, okay, look, you've had 10 great years with your spouse, but, you know, she's old news. <laughs> it's time to get a new one. It's time yeah. for a divorce, right? So you can't, you cannot instigate a divorce. Mm -hmm. You can't initiate a divorce for someone. You have to be top of mind when it's time for someone to be a divorce, uh, to, to get a divorce. And so I did a training at their annual conference around how they could position themselves up to and including using the book to position themselves. Because when someone goes in to their business attorney's office and is like, oh yeah, and by the way, I'm getting a divorce. Do you have a recommendation for a divorce lawyer? What you want them to do is turn around and go, yes, I do. And here's a book from the divorce attorney I recommend. Their information is on the back and here's a book that they give out. Awesome. Okay, and that's, I think this is a really important piece to it because you're you're immediately getting in front of the your your audience um, and the people that obviously Correct. would would be most um, likely to buy this stuff in bulk and and what are your results from something like that for example like if you went to do that that presentation were and, and <clears throat> do people come up to you at the end of that and say oh sure that's awesome yeah so I sold a lot of books after that and I've had a number of people a number of people are in in different steps of the process of doing the vanity printing because the white labeling printing yep. right I call it vanity printing um, but the first step is they have to read and like the book and that takes a minute right they have to make sure that the woman yep. on stage and the woman in the book all in alignment with with their values yep. and then they have to 
get their stuff. So I have one guy who paid me, you know, like $5,500 a year ago and he still hasn't gotten me his stuff to do his printing. He's like, oh, I got to do my, my logo and I haven't finished that. And so getting them to follow through, it's like, okay. Um, yeah, it's not a bad problem to have on your end, I suppose. It's not a bad problem. No, it's just, I just leave the money sitting there. I don't spend any of it till, um, until they actually get their books. But that's yep. either here or there. So, sure. Um, okay. Oh, but no, go on. It doesn't, it doesn't take um, very long once they decide what they want on the back cover. So it's making sure that they like what's on the back cover. So it goes to my designer. It comes back. They get to review the proof. And then I, you know, we upload the files to the printer and the printer ships direct to the, the attorney or the financial advisor. What's the average number um, or not, you know, average is, is, always, is not always uh, most appropriate, but what's the range of, of bulk orders you Between get if you do this? The first one is usually between 500 and 1,000. And so what wow. was interesting was what I learned the first go around like in my first you know year doing this was I would call people and say how's it going and they'd say oh I've given out 12 books mm. and what I recognized was that a book in a box was not helping anybody right it wasn't raising the profile of the attorney so they were getting them and then they were handing them out like they were precious diamonds <laughs> and I was like wait a minute you've already paid for the book so the money's gone you have to get these books in motion so I wrote a manual to go along with their vanity printing. It's like, here's all the ways you can use your book. Here's all the ways you can give away your book. So put it in your signature and put an opt-in page on your website. They're like, what's an opt-in page, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because most people, you know, I, the civilians, right, not in the um, publishing space. Yep or internet marketing space. I don't know what a list is. And they're like, right. a list? I need a list of what? <laughs> a grocery <laughs> <Yeah>. list? <laughs> right? So it's ed educating them on things like AWeber or MailChimp. Or so it's like, you have to have a newsletter and on the newsletter, you have to market your stuff and blah, blah, blah. Right? So yes. have a page on your, on your website where people can opt in to get a copy of the book. And then you want to go out and you want to... So part of business coaching and executive coaching for me is teaching people to develop relationships with people who are in business and do business with people who are their ideal customer, but are not in competition with them. So going to their strategic partners and saying, here are 10 copies of my book. If anyone ever mentions the word divorce to you, would you kindly pass on a copy of this book to them for me? So, you know, initiating that. So give away your books, get rid of them. And so once I started doing that, then people started using them more often. So, so I'm sorry. Yeah, so, so take me through this again because I, I, I'm a little slow sometimes and I'm trying to, you know, piece this together and think, okay, how can I use this? I love this strategy. So <clears throat> when you were encouraging these lawyers to use it as a calling card, what was, what was the, the instructions you gave them in terms of like how, how do you find the right people to give it to for, for in their, their case? So this is a little business coaching. Uh, well, this will be our business coaching module of this conversation. Perfect. So when I'm so working, when I'm working, let's say I'm working with a corporate attorney. Yep. A corporate attorney would have a strategic partner with an insurance agent, a banker, a financial advisor, yep. a CPA, right? So they would find people in other professions that have their same ideal client profile. So that's how you get business, right? Someone will say, a CPA will say, oh, I have this client. They need to form a corporation. Mr. Corporate Attorney, can you handle that client? Meet Corporate Attorney. He's going to handle um the formation of your company, right? Mm -hmm. That's a that's referral from a strategic partner to another strategic partner. With divorce attorneys, their strategic partners are all other people in business, are all other business professionals who have clients mm -hmm. who could possibly go through a divorce. 
So the instruction to the divorce attorneys is go to each of your strategic partners, people who would have your ideal divorce client and give them five or 10 copies of your book. And when someone says, I'm going through a divorce, my wife left me, my husband left me, I'm getting married, I need a prenuptial agreement, right? Anything like that, anything around marriage or divorce, say, oh, well, maybe this book is appropriate for you because you're getting divorced or this book is not appropriate for you because you're getting divorced. But the guy on the back, he's awesome. He can handle those marital agreements, pre mm -hmm. premarital agreements, divorce papers, modifications, child support modification, visitation modification. He can handle that for you. And here's a book that he recommends. Go ahead and take this and his information's on the back. Awesome. Very cool. So I, I love that because I think that's a, you know, very important piece to all this because, you know, part of it, I think as I, as I look at this, I think to myself, you know, part of the challenge here is if I'm proactively reaching out to people, um, to potentially negotiate maybe a bulk book order, whether it's white labeled or not anyway, um, I sometimes part of that is going to be the education piece is how do you actually take bulk orders and use them appropriately. Right. Correct. So right. You don't it, ever want someone to buy a bunch of your books and then not follow up with them exactly. and not help them to move those books. You want the, it's like money in motion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Your money won't do anything if it's under your mattress. You want it to yeah. be in motion. Yep. And so you want your books to be in motion. That's why when I have books in a box, like I, when I ever I go on a trip, I take a little box of books with me. And whenever I stop at a Starbucks, I put them in the Starbucks. Oh, in that's the little, cool. Like where the newspapers go. Anytime I go somewhere, I'm dropping my books off. Like I spent three days in the hospital with my mother-in-law last week. So every day I showed up at the hospital, like, you know, there's People Magazine and there's newspapers and then there's Honoré's books on the table. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> have you ever, okay, on that note then, have you ever found, has anybody found you through that and like said, oh, I found your book at like a Starbucks? Oh, sure. That's Absolutely. So That's awesome. Yeah. It's very, uh, it's guerrilla marketing for, for books. Well, it's like if you don't have your book in bookstores, yeah. the old method was to take your book and put it in a bookstore. So when someone went to the front and said, I want to buy this book, they're like, this book isn't in our system. Yeah. That's, well, yeah, maybe, I love it that. should, maybe it should be Barnes and Noble. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So so this was, uh, you know, these books have all been self-published or, or published through your, your publishing company, correct? Mm-hmm. So have you actually, the fact that you're you're selling five or a thousand you know, bulk order these things, uh, you know, is this a book that has shown up in Barnes and Noble or, or any physical bookstores? Sure. So now I, I print my books, just the, the one, the one and done downloads, right. That are available mm -hmm. through Amazon. I do them through create space. And so you yep. can go to your Barnes and Noble and you can order any of my books, um, through Barnes and Noble for sure. Cool. They may not stock it, I'm not cool. I'm not one of the cool kids, right? I'm not, I'm not sure. one of the big five. So yep. if you're not a big five, they're not going to prominently display your book in the front unless you're a unicorn and lightning strikes. But and yep. so far I haven't had any lightning strikes, but I, you know, I get rain. <laughs> I'm making yeah. the rain. So that's good. That's good. It might happen at some point. I got a call from someone um, the other day wanting to talk to me about, about publishing vision to reality, which is one of my books. Mm -hmm commercially and the deal wasn't good enough for me but at some point you might get some interest i might get some more interest we'll yeah. see what happens cool well i've, I've taken up a lot of your time on this so what i want to do is shift focus to prosperity for writers um tell me a little bit about this book and uh and why you wrote it sure so i'm a writer 
and I make money from my writing. And not too long ago, in April of 2015, I went to the Colonist Summit, which was hosted by Sean Platt and Johnny B. Truant of the self-publishing podcast. And there was an interesting theme in the room. There were the people who were making money from their writing, and there were the people that really wanted to and that were really struggling. And their mantra was, I'm working at a job I hate, a soul-killing job. I'm not making any money from my writing. I don't know what I'm doing wrong, and I don't know what to do right, and I don't know if I'm ever going to make any money from my writing, and there was, they just felt very defeated to me, and I knew that with a few simple shifts in their psychology and their mindset, they would be able to make money from their writing, and so I was inspired to write. So the conference was two days. So Mm -hmm. I woke up on Sunday morning, the second morning, and I thought, what if I wrote a book on how to make money as a writer? Not the technical pieces of it, right? Not the doing the white labeling, not how to get your book onto Amazon, not any of that stuff, because that's been done. Lots of people have talked about that stuff, right? But the mindset piece, no book, just like there was no manual for single moms, there was no manual for writers on what their mindset needed to be like. And so I did a class called Prosperity for Writers with the intention of writing the book, but I like to prove the concept first. I'm someone who thinks there are a lot of books out there written by people who want to be successful, so they write a book about how to be successful, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right, as opposed to living being successful and then writing about it after they've lived that for a while. So I wanted to make sure that what I thought to be true was actually true, that something that I was living, that other people, if they were given the roadmap, could create success. And so I did a class, Prosperity for Writers, which is now a course. It's available on Gumroad, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I wrote the book, Prosperity for Writers. And, and I had the stories from the people who took the class because that was my condition. You can't take my class unless you're going to be okay with people hearing you talk on the audio recordings. And I can talk about you in my book. And I had people say, of course I would love to do that and so we did that so then I wrote the book and then I also interviewed people who were making serious money from their writing such as Sean Platt and also Steve Scott who does very well um, with his habits habit mm-hmm. stack books and just got into their heads about what was the what was the shift like if they ever had to make it from I'm never going to make money from my writing to I'm going to make money from my writing and here's how I'm going to do it. So I have some some prosperity practices, some some mindset um, shifts that people need to make in order to believe they can make money from their writing. And then I also am practical, Susie. Right. Anyone who knows me is it's like, OK, we're going to rely on luck for about 10 minutes and then we're actually going to get busy mm-hmm. and make our feet match our lips. And so there's a lot of actual practical to do items in that book, which is why I'm coming out with the companion productivity journal in a few weeks, because people are writing me and saying, I'm marking up my book like I need something else. And so I'm going to do the prosperity for writers. I'm in the process, actually, of doing it right now, the prosperity for writers productivity journal. So there are spaces for them to write down their answers to the questions and to do the activities in the book and keep track of their progress. Awesome. Very cool. So and, and how is this? What's the reception to this book and to this content that you're creating? It hasn't been out of the top 20 in the main category for the book since it was published. It's been amazing. This book is is the fastest selling book right out of the gate, and it continues to be a bestseller. And it's interesting. I started a a private 
um, prosperity for writers mastermind on Facebook, which anyone can join, right? Anybody who wants to make money from their writing can mm -hmm. join that group. And I have people in there who are making money and people who want to make money and everyone's really helpful. And you know how groups will say like, don't promote yourself and we don't want you to talk about yourself and, you know, keep it very much about me, the person who started the group. Mm -hmm. I want to promote myself, but God forbid mm -hmm. you should promote yourself. I'm like, promote yourself. Yep. <laughs> tell, tell us what you're working on and what you want to make money from your writing on and let us support and encourage you. So I've been, I've been overwhelmed, um, honestly, with how people have received the book and how, um, people have encouraged me to keep writing in that particular area. How do you go about releasing the book then? Tell me a little bit about that. Um, it obviously has done pretty well if it stayed in the top, uh, or very well if it stayed in the top 20 in, in select categories and stuff like that on Amazon. Um, maybe, and also if you're afraid to divulge some numbers too, um, anything like uh, either you know daily sales on average or anything like that, but you don't have to get into that if you don't want. But I would definitely be curious in ter terms of how you did the, uh, how you conducted your book launch. Well, I ha the people who I interviewed for the book, I mean, here's like, here's something that's a secret that's not so secret. If you want people to promote your book, interview them for your book. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So um, I've been on all the cool kids podcasts, right? I've been on the self-publishing podcast and the Creative Pen podcast and the Sell More Books show. And um, there are others that I've been on about... Um, uh, the author strong podcast. So when you're on the podcast, the people who are your audience are listening. And so they're going and buying the book and then they're telling their friends. And, and it's interesting because even at church people, my minister made a big deal about the book. And there were several people that came up to me and said, Oh, my daughter's a writer. or My sister's a writer. Or my niece is a writer. Can I buy the book from you to pass it on? So I'm finding people are, are sharing it. Um, I think my worst sales day has been 20 and my best sales day has been just over 3,800. Wow. And then, and what do you, you know, when you, when you price, what is this thing priced at right now? Like, how do you approach the pricing process for your book? Um, I did $4.99 for the ebook and $9.99 for the paperback. It's mm -hmm. actually um, mid range for an ebook and low end mm -hmm. for the paperback mm -hmm. because I didn't want someone who wasn't making money from their writing because they're struggling to go, well, I can't afford a $15 book. If I could afford a $15 book, I wouldn't need to write your book. I would need to read <laughs> your book. So I wanted to make it so that it would be easy to purchase or to purchase and give away. Yeah. Or that someone could buy two copies and get a buddy so they could have an accountability person to help them in the process mm -hmm. and the journal will be somewhere in that same price range. Cool. Very cool. Um, that's awesome. Very, very exciting to, uh, to hear that. And so I guess, uh, I mean, I guess I could go on and on asking more questions, but we're, I've, I've already taken up quite a bit of your time. So I, I'd like to, uh, maybe hand it off to you and say, um, you know, first and foremost, uh, I guess where, where can people check out your work? Um, and follow you and, and buy some of your books and stuff like that? What's the best place to uh, to head over to? Well, the point of entry would be honorequarter.com. If mm -hmm. they want my first book, Tall Order for Free, then they would go forward slash free tall order, and they can get a copy of my first book um, for free. Um, if they want... Um, the first two chapters of Prosperity for Writers, then they could go to honorequarter.com forward slash writers. 
then it was funny when I said to my assistant, what should that URL be? <laughs> it's like, let's not make it complicated. So just forward slash writers. And then my books are everywhere books are sold. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, Apple, Kobo, libraries, all that stuff. And on social media, I'm just Honoré. So H-O-N-O-R-E-E on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And I love connecting with with readers. And I love it when someone writes to me and says, hey, I read your book and now I'm quitting my job because I'm making money from my writing. Like those are the testimonials I'm getting. And the book is just two months old. I mean, it's just amazing. Awesome. Great. And then any last parting pieces of advice for the author, self-publisher, or um, indie publisher just starting out uh, trying to grow their platform and, uh, and as, I guess, essentially become successful either self-published authors or, or successful indie, indie publishers? Um, this is the long, it's the long game. Mm -hmm. There's no overnight instant success. It's not microwave popcorn or, you know, instant coffee that if you're going if you want this to be your career, then this is something you would plan to do for many years to come. And so get into a good practice, a daily practice of writing. And there is no one book. Like everyone's like, what's your favorite book? And I'm like, all of them. Because I don't, I don't cherish one book. I don't rely on one book. Does that make sense? People like they write their first book and they're like, shoo, I'm mm -hmm. glad that's over. It's like, you need to write at least three books. And then when you've written three books, then write 10 books. And you've written 10, then write 20. Mm-hmm. So just keep writing. If you're writing because you must, right? Writers write because they must, they, for the love of writing, for the love of, of telling a story or for helping people, right? Nonfiction or fiction. And so just be willing to put in the time that it takes and be willing to work your plan and learn about marketing and learn about, you know, the finer points of self-publishing. Have a good editor, have good um, artwork, have a team of people that help you and and just you know when you feel like you're ready to give up just give it you know one more day yep. <laughs> and uh, eventually you're going to wake up one day and go hey you know what I'm making a living from my writing and this is really cool I mean just when you're ready to give up consider the alternative right giving up and going back and doing what you don't want to do exactly awesome well great stuff Honoré I really appreciate it um Excellent. I'll make sure that's all linked up in the show notes and people can find your work. And I, and I hope they do go to check it out. And um, really wonderful interview. I appreciate you taking the time. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And that wraps up another broadcast of In the Trenches. If you'd like to check out the show notes, just head over to tommorcus.com slash podcast, where you'll find the latest broadcast. And if you enjoyed today's broadcast, please do me a favor and leave a rating and review on iTunes. That's the fastest, simplest, easiest way to support my creative work, and it would really mean a lot to me. As always, this is Tom Morcus, and if you're listening to this, you are the resistance. <laughs>